Hey, what's up and welcome to back to another way podcast. I'm Nick, your host. And I'm David. Right, so how, how's it going in Bali, David? Things are good. You know, it's getting into the dry season and the weather's really, really great, right? I've been doing so much more exploring, but I'm actually considering going back to the US soon to get the vaccine. So I'm kind of planning when I would exit out of this country because I've been here for, you know, several months now and I really love it. But, you know, I think it's time for a change, right? As As kind of, you know, my... Time as a digital nomad here is almost up. So uh, yeah, it's bittersweet, right? I'm kind of excited for the next thing, and I've you know I haven't been back home in about two years now. So it's it's a very long time. So I think home is calling. <laughs> home is calling. Well, uh, I think same things over here in Singapore, same old. Uh, but recently we are tightening our social distance measures as well. So instead of the eight eight people cap, we've uh, gone down to five people cap. I believe the Indian variant has also <laughs> entered Singapore mm. recently. Yeah, so we just kept keeping a high alert so that um, we don't run into another lockdown yeah. sometime down the road, right? So yeah, gyms are closed for about a month, uh, going to be closed for a month. So everyone's panicking, obviously. But other than that, I think we're good, we're good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like this never-ending it's cat and mouse game with the virus. And so, you know, even here, I'm in a holding pattern. And, you know, I say I'm going to go back in a month and a half, but still, it's just you don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah. Mm. So today, we're going to discuss about the idea of being exceptional, right? Why we want to be exceptional and why we don't need to be exceptional. Great. I think in the West, not many, not, I don't know if the same in the West, uh, but I think in, in the East, we seem to have grew up in the culture of needing to be exceptional. So for example, in elementary, all the way up to high school, uh, what we call tertiary education, usually the ones who are like with best scores, the students with the best scores are often celebrated and usually the ones are highly respected, right? And I believe in the West, these are the ones usually being bullied. <laughs> is that correct? Mm, yes, I, I think there is sometimes, you know, depending on the culture you grew up in or just the group, sometimes like anti-intellectualism or just being sometimes too smart, you, you could be, yeah, you could be sort of a target for bullying in your adolescence, unfortunately. Mm. And I think a lot of how we experience life today has to do with how we experience our lives in school. So all the way from elementary uh, we have been graded into different tiers, you know, like, and, and that grades kind of define who you are, right? So if you belong to the top tier, yes, you're probably like cool kids in town. Uh, you feel like you belong to the elite. And then if you're in the bottom field, I used to belong in both, right? So, so in elementary grade, I used to always ace my exams just because I think that was the right thing to do and I had to do it. But when I, the moment I reach um, secondary three and four, I think that's high school uh, for you. So I wasn't so much of an academic person. So my grades started to take a hit, uh, even though I was trying. And I felt I, I belonged to like the category of like, hey, not so good, cool kids, uh, those whose uh, future was not, not really in a bright zone. Yeah. So it, it, can, it can be quite demoralizing, I will feel. Yeah, I think it is sometimes interesting how growing up, I, I was the same, but I reversed, right? So I think in elementary school, I was considered uh, a very, I would say, par for the road student. It was not necessarily, 
you know, getting good grades, but I was not flunking. And then I think I got transferred in third grade into another elementary school, but I think their standards were slightly lower. And then I started to get like, I was starting to ace my exam. So that was kind of interesting. And from that point on, I think that kind of set the mindset that I could do this and I just pushed myself even harder. And so from that point on, I've been able to sort of do academically pretty well. So so I, I think that really shaped who I am today, that kind of mindset. Mm. I think one thing about going through the grading system also, it, it creates this gap. So last, uh, in, in the past when we when we did well, for example, we will go to this higher grading. So we call it the express class. And then the ones who don't, uh, do as well in certain subjects and then they fall below certain threshold of points right of marks right they go into this uh, stream called the normal stream and then like the so in a sense that when you are in a normal stream for example you feel like you need to catch up so that creates like an invisible gap for people in that stream and therefore i think what happens when this comes in play right is that some people give up or some people feel like okay i i now belong to this category there's no need for me to have to do any uh there's no need for me to try anymore because like school sucks you know mm. and that's that kind of defines like your attitude towards life moving from here but some feel like oh you know now i'm all the way at the bottom i need to catch up and mm. and some and this is why a lot of people feel like okay i need to be exceptional i need to be more than what i what i am i need to be better than everyone yeah. else and then this is also how it sparks like mm. this drive you know to go back up yeah yeah i think what's very interesting is that all of you know the time we talked about this we're discussing it from just an academic standpoint right and i think maybe in the east it's academics are very 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 much like stands out as something that you need to accelerate in but maybe in other countries that it's not just about academics you have a mix of like artistic skill sets athletic skill sets that you could say that you could excel in other areas. And so, you know, for me growing up, it was all about academics. Like my parents really didn't develop me athletically or artistically to an extent that I wanted to. But so I kind of, you know, I, to this day, I wonder how that, how that affected me, right? Like what kind of person would I have been if, if it wasn't so much weighted heavily on the academics, right? That's true. In fact, in, in, in the past, so I used to enjoy drawing, coloring stuff, creating stuff, right? So, but this was never recognized in the academic world. So it was always like, a, like, like art, art is usually like a non-express thing or rather, yes, it, it's included in the syllabus, but it's always like a, a second, third tier subject, right? Which is supplementary, but it doesn't make the core of skills being graded in your academic life. So because of that, I kind of like put it, uh, put it down to the lowest priority, right? I didn't really develop the skills forward. And I think over the years, I kind of lost it. I, I kind of lost that joy of uh, creating art just because uh, the environment doesn't really celebrate it, right? Uh, which I, th I think leads me to the next point is that I think media also plays a huge role in defining how our brains work right so it, it defines why we need to be elite in some way mm. right i agree right do you think it's uniquely something more in east asia or is it uniquely like a singaporean phenomena mm, i think it's actually quite widespread globally so give you an example right at youtube Mm. Right. These days, everyone's going onto YouTube, especially um, people who sell causes, right? The gurus out there 
um, everyone's just doing like the, oh, this is how I got from zero to $1 million in terms of revenue within like five days. And this is how you do it, you know? So everyone's uh, painting this, I would say maybe maybe 1% or maybe slightly less than 1% of them really have those results to show. But um, at the same time, when you say uh, zero to 1 million, right? 1 million in revenue, but what is the what is that 1 million net sales, like net net profit? We don't know, right? And usually how YouTube algorithm works is that the more clicks I get, the more revenue I get, right? So, pe- so people are actually earning on the clicks. So how, how, how accurate is this information represented online when you click on a video? And true, maybe sometimes you get inspired because they do show examples of like how this is being done, you know, like what goes on in the back end, what to think about. And it becomes like a mini, mini class, right? At the same time, it inspires you to be exceptional because like, hey, um, this whole entrepreneurship dream, which they just painted to you, becomes a very glitzy thing to go forward <laughs> for, right? And, and a lot of yeah. young people, they just go forward for it, yeah. me, myself included. Yeah, yeah. I think about that in particular. I feel like, you know, the whole kind of get rich quick industry mantra has always been around throughout the ages, right? Many centuries across different cultures. So I think you're right. It's not just endemic to uh, an Asian, East Asian culture. But you're right. I think sometimes, you know, I look at that and it's very cringeworthy because they're trying to sell entrepreneurship, but really they're trying to sell like get rich quick. Right. That's like easy money. And I I don't know. And it's, it's trying to appeal to your sense of like, you know, fear of missing out where everyone's getting successful around you, you're, you're, you're being left behind. And I always take fault with that, take exception to that, because I feel like that's not the right mindset, right? Because it is not, it's not easy to get, to get rich, right? It's, it's actually, it takes a lot of hard work, right? And, and us also, these people are selling the idea, right? And, and I don't know, like, it's hard to verify whether they, they have been really successful or not, right? Making these claims, uh, these misleading claims online, yeah, exactly. I mean, like some some of them will try to sell you like a full fledged system, right? Five steps. If you follow my five steps, you know, like you will definitely get get to a yeah. million dollars within five days. Yeah, right. I I think it's actually more insidious, right? It's not those videos particular, but when they feature not just on just not just on YouTube, right? But like on Instagram or Facebook or maybe not your immediate friends, but like uh, like your second level, third level friends where you see them like posting like oh like look at this a like, great dinner or look at this promotion look at this house i think that is actually much more influential mm, that is true right that drives you yeah yeah so i think i think it's it has to got to do with like when when, when we talk about media it is essentially where most of your attention of uh, today's generation is, right? So it, it's really on social media. So YouTube included, Instagram, and also Instagram, right? When, so, so now I think it's a good way, to, uh, it's a good time to go onto Instagram. I think it has also kind of promoted a culture where everyone's trying to show their most curated side of their life, right? Yes. And anything that is uh, visually appealing and paints paints a good side of your life uh you will try to show a lot right so i do have a friend like they used to only travel on business class but that's not exactly the entire picture right they do travel economy as well so i think in in between flights when they do for like a short short trip for example they do try they do travel economy but it's only the business class 
experiences that they show online, right? It's always alive. It's always uh, yeah. it's a story, you know, like, oh, wow, how, how fortunate to be flying uh, business class right now. And then they will show all sorts of, uh, you know, having, <laughs> having wine and stuff yeah. like that, right? Paying the good yeah. life. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I think the first thing about the exception, the ex, this this drive for exceptionalism, right, is is it doesn't matter if you don't care about comparing yourself to other people. Like I feel like as I get older, I don't, I don't know. Like when I see people post all these things, I'm like, I don't know. It's like it's like, oh, like do you guys even have the money to do that? Like you don't even know, right? Like I just I just think that when you see people post online their exceptional life, you actually really don't know their true finances, right? Like you don't know if they're barely like breaking even, living paycheck to paycheck, or they have like tons and tons of hidden family money, right? And so I always say that you don't really know their true financial, it's it's maybe a proxy of their success, but in actuality, like you'd be surprised actually, if you were to open up their financial books, you, they, they, they would, their situation is probably a lot, a lot more dire than you think think it is compared to their curated lifestyles you said on Instagram, right? So to me, that that gives you some comfort, right? I'm like, well, you know, that's them. They want to do that. Like, you know, I'm working on my goals and um, I'm I'm trying to focus on like what what is successful to me. And so I think that helps to break the pattern of what a traditional sense of it, like being successful is. Yeah, that's true. I think I think getting your internal environment clean is very essential for you to actually feel confident regardless of your financial status, right? So I think it's I, so I, hard. I think it's so hard in Singapore because Singapore is such a small, it's a city state, right? So you have so much competition, your population is kind of small, you all, it's like you all know each other. So I can imagine, right? Like it's as if like where I'm from, I'm from San Francisco, as if, if mm. the entire country of the US is just San Francisco, I would hate it because it is just hyper-competitive. Everyone's always trying to show off and I would, it would just be like suffocating. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I believe so. But but what you say is true, you know, like what they say as well, right? The poor people are also usually the ones that look the richest, right? They they don't own um, branded stuff, you know, they, they, they go to luxury joints, you know, they really live the high life. But I would say nothing wrong with that, right? Sometimes you can live the high life for cheap. So I mean, like spending uh, $50, $60 on a meal just to feel, feel expensive, yeah. it's cheap, right? It's relatively cheap uh, compared in comparison with where you wanna, if you want to own a yacht, that is really expensive, expensive luxury, right? So, uh, I mean, going for fine, fine dinners, uh, just like um, living a bit of a nice luxury life is actually rather cheap if you think about it in comparison to if you were to really be wealthy, wealthy. So nothing wrong with that. But I just, I just feel that um, we don't have to constantly have a comparison out there to say like, oh, wow, these this people, they are living the life. And I think they are just too wealthy and then you feel better about yourself because yeah. I think everyone has a choice, right? They are, they are little poison and um, they are all in their own right. They have the right to yeah. do that. We yeah. shouldn't beat ourselves just because we might not be living in the same, you don't leave the same kind of life choices with them. Yeah. I mean, I tend to agree. I think it takes a lot of time not to feel jealous or being triggered yeah. by that right i think it's hard it's a lifelong thing because you know some people are just like oh like look at these like look at these like materialistic people like that's not me you know and i don't you know sometimes i just feel like <laughs> i come to a state where you know just to be like you said be neutral be like hey you know i'm happy for your life and that's you but that's not me and i'm going to do something else with my financial resources right and i think that comes from a more uh, a place of more maturity right that you've eased into where you are you feel comfortable with yourself to the point that you don't feel as you don't feel jealous right you you could let others be happy in the way they want to present themselves to other people yeah, yeah but it's hard right it's it's just a natural jealousy is a natural human emotion 
Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're, are, they're yeah. just having fun, right? And they're just yes. choosing the, the way they use their, their finances, so, right? Yeah, I think I think another 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 thing that really drives this whole exceptionalism is like this whole 40, like Forbes 40, 30 under 30, Forbes 40 under 40, you know, this whole celebration on mm. the magazines and stuff is also kind of the thing. So if you're 30 under 30, you are definitely extremely celebrated. And because we are just tuned in into this whole culture of recognizing uh, people who has, has uh, stepped into this uh, era of like achievements, right? Uh, we tend to force ourselves to also try to catch up because that also creates an invisible vault where we mm. feel that we are, oh, so far ahead, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm 30, I'm 33, <laughs> for example, I'm 33 this year, but I'm not, I'm nowhere near what the 30 under 30 has done yeah. as presented in, in, in the magazine, yeah. right? So, yeah. It's- yeah, I, exactly. I think, again, this all comes down to comparing ourselves to other people. And also, I always say the best comparison is yourself to yourself, but five years ago, right? Because you see the improvement in oneself, right? Because when you compare yourself to other people, they have different life. They have a different life, right? They have different family, different set of circumstances that maybe got them to where they are. It's not to say that they didn't do any hard work, but some of it is, a lot of it is hard work, but also where they were born, like luck, right time, right place. It's just so many factors, right? That something's out of your control. So I think that is something, a good frame of reference too. It's not to say that you shouldn't try hard to get what you want, but I'm saying that it's it's not fair to compare yourself to that, right? To that standard. True. Agree as well. So I mean, like, like at some point of time, I believe like these people have also gone through their journey, right? So their journey presents a different set of hardships, right? So it could be uh, internal, maybe if like family has given them ex- extreme stress. So maybe you would have, enjoyed a pretty normal childhood a pretty blessed childhood in in a sense whereas perhaps that their child was filled with like lessons after lessons you know tuition after tuition never ever getting to play with the their friends outside you know these these are the things that we don't see right we only see the beautiful like achievements and that is often celebrated but what about the important uh past that we might have access to that they might not have access to so I, I think i think it's all about like learning to celebrate the different things it might not be a commonly celebrated uh thing for example like if it's not an achievement maybe the public the, the the masses doesn't celebrate it the media doesn't celebrate it but normalizing the whole uh effect of what it, what it is right it's also about finding out hey what what are the things that you could celebrate about your achievements yeah. about your individual achievements so far in life right and it, it could be a very normal thing like yeah hey as, as a kid i was always able to you know like uh bring my friends happiness you know like I, I always bring the games i always bring the fun i was able to achieve a healthy childhood because i could yeah you know help my friends in certain ways and i could always uh, bring the joy out of my friends yeah I think the strive to, you know, exceptionalism, strive to perfectionism is inherently like not sustainable because you cannot operate at that that mindset or at 100%, 105% peak efficiency always, right? Because it takes a toll on mental health. And I think that's what is 
the epidemic is like mental well-being, mental wellness it takes a it takes a hit. I mean, I know a lot of friends. I know a lot of people who are just like mentally not in the right state because they're constantly stressed out. They're constantly trying to compare themselves. They can they never feel happy, and I think that's problematic, right? It's like celebrating, yeah, like you said, your accomplishments, whatever they are. Exactly. And seeing your growth, right, over the years. Again, comparing yourself to yourself, yourself to a previous version yourself, right? I mean, for mm. me, like I was very different five years ago, ten years ago. I feel like I'm a much better person now than I ever was. So, so I take, you know, I take pride in that. Mm -hmm. I take pride in the, what I've accomplished, right? Yeah, like I don't know if I would ever make those covers of the magazine or be a famous celebrity, but <laughs> no, whatever, you know, I, 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 that's okay, right? Because not many people can do that. Sometimes I think um, as we are always striving for perfection, right? Like striving to be exceptional. I think it's also important to learn how to exceptionally be good at slowing down, right? Mm. <laughs> if, if I were to put yes. that right. So sometimes I do feel along the way as I was trying to you know, achieve, 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 being a very typical Singaporean, right? How do I achieve my next break, uh, breakthrough, you know, like my next brownstone? I used to feel taking breaks was a bad thing to do, right? So as for example, I used to feel like taking vacations more than two weeks, it's, it's a very bad thing. I believe no employers, uh, no, no employers like that as well. I think I also feel like if I were to have too long of an employment gap, it also becomes a common taboo to rec mm. uh, the recruiters. And also maybe like ending work like one or two hours earlier. <laughs> we feel bad. I think I think I, I myself and I think a lot of my friends will mm. agree. We, we feel bad for just ending, even though it feels good <laughs> to ourselves, right? But we feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it is stemmed in the work culture, right? Same thing in America as well. Right, people work mm. to death. I don't know if there's a really good solution to that. Sometimes I think, you know, I know some people just don't give, you know, like just don't, don't, don't really care. And so they'll just do, they'll just take off and they'll, they'll, they'll set, or they, you know, they have a, um, you know, they have a line in the sand, right? This is my weekends or, you know, like I get up at five and these are, this is my time to be with my family or my friends or, right? and that's secret time. And I will draw the line there and I, it's commendable, right? To put your foot down and be like, no, like, I will not work more. And I think more people need to do that. But it's hard because that you have to be in that work culture for it to happen, right? If, if that is not uh, emphasized and it doesn't come from the top down, it could be really hard for people to speak up naturally, right? So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't blame individual people. A lot yeah. of it has to come from management as well. I like to, I like to, I like to think about this metaphor when we think about our own mental capacity, right? It's like my, our mental capacity is like a rubber band. So imagine stretching it day in, day out, right? If we, what if we overstretch it? This rubber band will definitely break, right? So I think, I think it's in your very individual responsibility to always ensure the tightness of this rubber band is maintained at a level that is, yes, it is being stretched. That's because that's how, that's how we grow, but never overstretch it to a point that it breaks because how, how does a rubber band even work when it's broken? Right. So I think, I think it's really, a, it's, it's a mind shift, right? So the next time I think we, if you think that you need a break, the mind shift is like, instead of thinking, I feel guilty taking a break, it is like, I am allowing myself to take a break right now because I am responsible for walking the longer road in my career, in my journey, entrepreneurship journey or whatever, right? Mm. Just so that I can walk further, I'm going to take a break 
to ease the tension yep. of my rubber band. I think yep. that's as simple as that. There is no need to feel guilty yep. for taking a break. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's all about the concept of balance, right? Because if you're just working, mm. working, working, but no time for your physical health, right? Now you're not eating right, you feel stressed out, that's not sustainable. Exactly. I think the mm. guilt can be talked through. Like I know some people are not good at cheering, but sometimes it's just good to have a conversation with your manager and be like, hey, I'm going to take some vacation because I really needed to rejuvenate. And, you know, I always say that, you know, your boss should advocate, you know, if, if <laughs> you know, your boss should encourage that, right, and should be supportive. And if it isn't, then you actually know that this is probably not the right job for you, mm -hmm. right? That, that, it's, that it's just you see different on eye to eye. They're not, they don't care about your well-being. And so I think it's in a way very poignant. And actually, it is the test, right, of how, how good <laughs> the work culture is. Right when you bring up yeah. these these topics, right? So like, that's what I think. It's it's it is fine. You don't need to like conform to something that that fundamentally is not that goes against your values when it comes to what you think about work. Exactly. I mean, employment is essentially a relationship, right? I think yes. all in all, most employers, if they, if you've been doing the work, right, you've been diligent doing the work, and if you ask for a break, I believe they will more than happy be able to bless you like okay just go for a break I've, I've seen you've been working so hard like just go, and f go for a break if they are able to see the long run right but if an employer for example tells you like hey why are you taking a break this is what we're paying you for mm. then I think that's that's a definitely question your relationship with that, that job your relationship with that employer because like what's the long run for you right your rubber band is, is is bound to snap in time to mm. come right and then once you snap right the moment you snap the moment you lose your your mental capacity your mental wellness to do the things that you are set out to do that's the point that you will really fall so i think i, I don't think you you as a person you are responsible for for maintaining the tension of that rubber band i would say like hey i i, I don't think this is the right way to look at my role uh, and my time here. So I think it's, it's time for reassessment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I want to also like like pull out Tony Robbins, his six human needs, right? So actually Tony, Tony Robbins, he's a famous author. Um, he actually has defined six different humans, human needs that we tend to get to, right? So I'm going to list out the needs. So number one is uh, certainty. We all need certainty in our lives. Number two is variety, right? We would like to change things up a bit. Mm -hmm. Number three is uh, the feeling of significance, right? We want to feel special. We want to feel like uh, we're tip top, you know, in the 1%. Number four is we want to feel connection, mm. right? Uh, number five, we want to feel growth, not just in uh, our careers, but also our relationships. Uh, number six is we want to feel contribution, right? We want to be in a position where we can also give mm. To the impact. people around us impact, impact. very right? very important yeah so i mean like what what do you think being exceptional serves right i i do think being exceptional serves uh the certainty um why i say that because i think if you're exceptional right more than likely you will be liked by people mm. i think there's a there's at least a certain degree of certainty that people will be like oh wow you know you're, you're doing this and this you are respected so there's a form of certainty there that serves your needs right number two variety 
I think being exceptional has that variety uh, essence to it because being exceptional also opens you up to many kind of opportunities and you will find yourself more a lot of people coming to you to like hey you know like would you like to help me with this will you help me with that and a lot of new relationships happen so that's how the variety happens in your life and that makes you excited right number three significance are uh, definitely being being exceptional is something uh indefinitely puts you in the top one percent or like ten uh, percent of your cohort doing the same thing and therefore there's a there's a feeling of significance like you're important someone right so that also serves a need number four connection yes i, I would say yes and no yes and no right connection if you're exceptional you tend to attract people and therefore more people are, would throw themselves at you or rather come finding you so there's a connection growth as well you you feel like you are growing or, or rather you feel that there's a sense of growing because once you're exceptional you want to be better and then you'll always get towards growth right and then mm. uh, contribution right i think being exceptional also puts you in a position to contribute to people I think all, all in all, that's why I feel like this, yeah, this whole exceptional is yeah. attractive because of these reasons. Yeah. You you think, and this is actually, you brought, I'm just actually thinking about this in my head, but do you think exceptionalism comes from a state of inner well-being, right? It's like an, ex, it's an internal, right, feeling versus an mm. external primer, right? It's like, you need to feel it exceptional is. within yourself and you are, right? Like, think about like, yes, like, yeah, you're not on the cover of Ford's 40 under 40, but but imagine like your community, your 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 intimate community, your friends, your family, you make a vast impact on their life, right? You know, because mm -hmm. you are present in their life and you help them and that, that gives you that exceptionalism, right? And I think that's really important mm -hmm. too, that people kind of feel like, oh, I need to like make an impact on the global scale. I'm like, you don't really need to, right? You, you can, you could strive towards goal, but remember everything that you've done so far. Remember your accomplishments, right? That's important. Mm. It gives is, you that yeah. sense of exceptionalism to push you to even achieve even more, right? So it's an external state of mind. Exactly. So I think it's also a feeling. You're chasing a feeling, right? So I mean, back to the all, all the six points. Yes, it is the easiest concept to latch on because like being exceptional gives you all these uh, feelings, right? Fulfills all these feelings, right? But if you take a step back, it's exactly what, what, what I'm pointing at. You can also feel these feelings if you recognize your accomplishments in life in a different way. Mm. So, so I think being exceptional is a state of mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's a state of feeling how you allow yourself to feel these feelings internally rather than externally right if you're if you're always depending on the outside world to give you that feeling of exceptionalism then you are bound to burn out or you're bound to fail in some way right you are bound to really like uh that means that means you you can't feel exceptional on demand and that's a problem yeah it's yeah and i just just for you viewers out there like i actually was like you know it's, it's great that we actually arrived at the same conclusion you know we didn't actually necessarily talk uh, like have this like script you know, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's actually you know, you know, a lot of it is kind of we're thinking about these ideas as we're recording, but it is it is very poignant how we kind of came to that same conclusion on on today's episode that that it's it's about your sort of sense of self, right? We keep talking about this on we keep bringing this topic up on many different episodes. The sense of self is very and very important, right? And again, these external factors that you see in the media, social media, is is sometimes very toxic. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I mean, like, so just just going back to the points of like what we've discussed so far. Like, I think how we grew up in school uh, does not just uh, does not really accurately reflect 
what we how how we should experience this world. And I think the media also defines a lot of shit of how uh, we shape our beliefs about knowing about how to, how to be exceptional. But I think I would like to read this uh, quote, you know, that I found on LinkedIn yesterday, which I thought was exactly exactly pointing out how feeling exceptional should be, right? So I'm going to read this, right? This, 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 this guy is an investor and founder of uh, Walton MBA. MBA. Uh, his name is Simon Poliot. Uh, I don't know him directly, but when I saw this, I was like, hey, this really, really hits what we're trying to say today, right? So I'm going to read. I'm humbled to announce for a second straight year that I still have not made the Forbes 40 under 40 list, raised the mega round of financing, or secured my dream job at a dream firm. And if you wondered, I'm not hiring because, unlike just about everyone, my business isn't booming. If LinkedIn made you feel like you're alone in this situation, good news, friend, there's at least two of us. That said, I had a nice coffee this morning, watered my plants, caught up with a friend, and I will soon meet with my boss whom I admire for lunch, I carved out time with my aunt who makes me feel like royalty each time I see her. I feel blessed. I often catch myself being envious of what I don't have, where I could be, etc. Stop. What's the point? Yes, a healthy dose of envy is motivating. But frankly, I find as much satisfaction in the little things and the little wins as I do changing, chasing big dreams and trophies. As I see it, there will always be someone who has it better, but there are far many who has, have it worse. So who am I to complain? So set your goals, be hungry yet patient, be you, and let others be them. In the eyes of those who love us, who are not defined by mere trophies, even though social media makes us believe who we are, and everyone's time comes who so chooses anyway. Right, so I thought that was a really beautifully written status, and I I think it really hits upon what we're trying to say today. Um, being exceptional, it's really a mirror of your internal environment. How you feel about yourself uh, makes you feel exceptional, right? It has got nothing to do with uh, what the world tags you with or like put uh how how the world views you. It's really about like the small significant things that you that you recognize yourself. Right, it's, it's simple things like catching up with friends, you know, like uh, having a very positive relationship, having a relationship of growth, right? Not one of toxic, but one that grows both you and your friends as individuals, and also having like a path set up for yourself that is uh, a path that you have chosen for yourself, not anyone else, not your parents, not your schoolmates, not your teachers. But it's just you, right? You are the one who said, hey, I'm going to take on this path. I'm going to take on this career. I want to be this and this. This is my journey. And this is unique to me. And that itself is being exceptional, at least yeah. to me. Exactly. Mm. That's actually very good. You know, it gives you and, you know, all of us, we can relate to that statement, right? That it's that it's like at the end of it all, it's, it's okay. It's like everyone can just like relax and breathe easier. Like we're doing fine. You know, we're, we're making progress and that's good. It's like you're fine just the way you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So I think this is a good place to end. <laughs> David, I don't know if you have any uh, other things to add. No, I'm good. 
Yep. So uh, thank you guys. I think hopefully this uh, gives you like a different perception of what being exceptional is. Uh, we enjoy creating this content for you. Uh, if you're on Spotify, please remember to hit uh, follow so you'll be updated the next time we post an uh, episode. And if you like us, give us a rating on Apple iTunes because this helps us reach out to more viewers like you. All right. So I'll see you guys next week. Okay. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. Bye.